God is good. God is moving all across the land, and uh, it's very, very exciting. We caught up with uh, a little tour. It was probably our most productive one south uh, we've been on, and uh, we spent some time on uh, on a Sunday, a few Sundays ago, in ICC Church, which is Michelle's old church, because now she's made this her church forever, uh, <laughs> and uh, met a new, lovely, uh, her pastor, ex-pastor, uh, and uh, Pastor Jono, and he's a fantastic... <laughs> I'll be in trouble. I know I'll be in trouble for that. And uh, Michelle's mum, Faith, just showed us around. She's an executive pastor in the church and just made us feel so welcome. We had a great time in their church. Outstanding. really is. And God started to speak to me in that, in that place and inspire me uh, that for us there's more. And uh, I believe that we started, I know Pastor Heidi, before she went away there, and we're just talking about how we wanted to see more of what God wanted to do in the land and so at Easter, we've decided to do, because God so loved the world. And so Easter is going to be what Easter is to all Christians. But we want to just put that spin on it a little bit. And I want to release fresh vision over that time for the life of our church. And uh, the girls at the moment, as we speak, are putting together a vision brochure, a booklet, that you'll all get a vision booklet about how we're going to just step up what God's actually called us to do. And we're already doing it, but I want to emphasize a few different areas to make this uh, just come alive so we can recognize and uh, get on board with that. We went, went to the Gold Coast then. We went to a special conference for four days. We had speakers there of different, uh, for a couple of days, different speakers. And they were all fantastic uh, speakers just to be a part of that. And then we uh, stayed in another day just to get sort of, I hate going to conferences and then you, you just jump and go to the next thing and you lose what... Well, perhaps God was wanting to speak to you about. So we spent a day, and this is where this idea started to come to my heart of God sort of putting a whole bunch of things together. So that was really, really good. And then we, uh, where did we go? We went to Pastor Tim McDonald. Pastor Tim was here. Went to Pastor Tim's church, and uh, it's outstanding. He lives in an area of Anala in Brisbane, and uh, it's uh, a lot of uh, African people and Vietnamese people. And so he turns his church uh, into a I don't know what it is. It's a crazy place during the week. They've got forklifts and stuff like that. Their, their op shop would probably be as big as this building here uh, of helping people and clothing people. And then they have a, a supermarket as well. And actually uh, getting this, just people, they get forklifts, they pull all the stuff out of the foyer and then they put boxes in there and shelves and stuff. And you can go and buy a, you know, a bottle of Coke for 50 cents or some snacks for 20 cents just to try and feed people in that area who, you know, some of them are like there's 10 living in a one-bedroom flat just to survive, you know. So it was wonderful to see Pastor Tim and his team, and he's looking at buying a building four doors down for $1.6 million or something, just so he can shift all his stuff. Then they're doubling the size of their auditorium by putting a mezzanine floor in and doing all that sort of stuff. So it's really exciting to see, um, you know, as a young bloke, what Pastor Tim is actually doing there. And we were able to minister to his staff uh, for a period of time and just share with them, which was really special because... Tim is sort of, I was always ministering to Tim, and now it's Tim's got his own team, and I'm ministering to his team. So it's a bit like, I feel like a, you know, grand pastor, uh, you know, being able to, to help out. Uh, then we went uh, from there, where do we go, Jane? We took um, Bill and Melissa uh, close, we caught up with them, which is the farmer's team, and we went to their, they've got a big op shop as well. And then they've got a big warehouse where they hold all the food. And they're about to do a really big thing for Mother's Day for farmers' wives. And so I was saying to Bill, he said, you know, there's such areas now. He said, the, the farmers, when you're talking to them, he said, it's like talking to a shell. There's actually not a person there anymore. 
He said they're just so devastated by this. There's a lot of rain out there, like water as far as uh, grass and stuff, but it's, it's, a, it's a green drought. They still haven't made any money to make the wheels go around with that. They've just stopped hand-feeding their animals. So it was great to catch up with them, and they're trying to get finance and bits and pieces going so they can keep going. We caught up with Peter and Kaz, went to their new church and hung out with them uh, for the afternoon. That was really cool. They have the biggest building you've ever seen. It is massive. It's just huge. The auditorium's massive. But they've only got, a, you know, like it's probably about 60 people all over the age of about 80, I think. And, uh, you know, so it's really, they don't have a music team. They don't have a sort of children's church. They don't have anything like that. And they, you know, don't have a sound system really. It's a bit of a handmade sort of thing Peter's got. And so Peter started a coffee shop um, in the church foyer every morning. So that's what he's doing for all the school students that are there, or the wives, the husbands, or whatever, drop their children off. So he's making coffee every morning, seven days a week, I think, trying to get people in the life of the church and reach out and stuff. So it's very, very exciting to see them. And then we traveled home, and as we're traveling home, we dropped in to a couple, a senior couple, who were our life group leaders when we were engaged. And they were the ones who first sent Jane and I out, really, because we were part of a life group church. And they sent us out in those early days. And the guy's now about 80, uh, Tom and Marg Strawn. Keith and Jeanette had known them well, and, and uh, he, they still remembered the prophecy that they gave us when they sent us out. You know, they still remembered the, the words that, uh, that they gave us to propel us into what God had called us to do. It's going to be part of a life group, eh? You know, and uh, they're still our life group leaders. Uh, sorry, Heidi. Uh, they're still our life group leaders, and uh, we still love them. And he's planted a church and his wife, and they're just about to retire from planning this church. So we're able to look through their church building and have a look around. They're looking for a pastor. If anyone wants to be a great pastor in a great country town, in a great church, it's all sitting there ready for you to go. Anyway, God's good. So it was a good trip, and then we drove back uh, and uh, were home uh, the other night, late the other night, so late in the afternoon. It was very good. And you've had a good time with Pastor Alan. Very good. Pastor Alan's been good. He's been behaving himself. Not likely, but that's okay. Thank you for everybody who went out every night to that. I know that it was a big call for some people, but thank you for those who went out. One of the things we're talking about this month is foundations. And um, I remember years ago when I was wanting to put a shaved stale up in my backyard and do some stuff. And I convinced the guy that was, um, that was uh, selling me the shade cloth and telling me that I needed to put these big posts in the ground, that we only need to bury them about this far because that's good enough to hold the post up. And he said, um, no, I think they need to go down about two metres into the ground. And I'm like, no, I don't think they do because it'll be okay. And we had a little bit of a discussion about whether the post would need to be that deep. I said, then you've got to bring a digger in the backyard and dig it. There's going to be mud everywhere. It's going to be a mess and stuff like that. If we just dug them a little bit and put them in concrete, that'd be all right. How many people know that um, he was right and I was wrong? <laughs> How many people know that you've got to put posts that hold shades and stuff like that down a fair bit? Not because of good days, but because of the bad days. When the wind blows and the storms come, the last thing you want is two big steel pipes flapping around at the end of a big piece of plastic in your backyard. True? <laughs> and... Uh, you know, this month we're going to talk about foundations. And the foundations, like when we lived on the Gold Coast, the foundations of any building uh, took months and months and months to build. And you'd sometimes drive past and you think, why don't those guys start building the building? They actually are. Uh, and when it hit ground, it, usually the building went up very, very quickly. But the foundations had to be set right and put right. Today I want to just title my message, Help, uh, How Important That Is. We're turning to John uh, 3, John 3, 
three probably is where we're going to go. Everyone will know this scripture as we get into foundations and the importance of foundations. As you're turning there, I want to ask you a question. How many people, how many people in the room have done a basic new Christians course that lasted about six to eight weeks? That's about quarter of everybody in here. Quarter of everybody has done a basic foundational course. I want to encourage you, we have a really good one in this church that I encourage people to do every two years to establish and reaffirm all your foundations are set right because the height of the building is dictated too by the depth of the foundations. And you have to set that. When I went to, when I first got saved, it was only two weeks after that I took a whole year out to get the foundations of the faith right in my life. And I'm not saying you need to do that, but you may need to do that to get new foundations, fresh foundations. It says here in John 3, most assuredly, Jesus said, I say to you, unless one is born again or born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus goes on and said, you must be born again. Cairns, you must be born again. He said to be born again means that you can, once you see the kingdom of God, you can then enter the kingdom of God. It's just like here, if I, was, uh, I couldn't see or I didn't have my eyes closed, I could go up and down that wall all day and not notice there's a door there that I could enter through. So when I can see the door, I can enter through the door. Is that right? And it's a bit like that. Until you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And it's so important because Jesus talked about the kingdom of God coming in this hour and His will being done in our life. So we must be people who can see the kingdom of God at work in people's lives. Example, in church life, you might come today and be looking at the coffee machine. You might be looking at this. You might be looking at that. But oftentimes what I see when I'm in worship, what I see is this altar full of people. I see people being healed. I see people being set free. I see people coming in wheelchairs, leaping out of wheelchairs. I see people signing up to get water baptized. I see people wanting to get married. You know, there's a girl over there, guy, like we, you know. There's all sorts of things that can happen when you see what God's showing you to look at. But it's where you're looking when you're looking. It's what you're looking at. Some people look, do you notice there's a hole in the carpet over there? Do you notice the seats aren't straight? Did you notice the, the wall's not painted? You know, it's what do you see when you're looking is so important. In Acts 2, it goes on there and it says, it's a quote from Joel and it said, you'll know the scriptures well with foundational scriptures. And it says the attitude is this, is that the young men shall see visions and the old men shall see dreams. What's it about? It's about seeing. It's about vision. It's about looking and what do you see when you look? When you look at your life in the future, your vision is so important. It was, a, was it Ray Charles, one of those singers? He, um, he, was, he saw his sister drown in a bucket. And from that day on, he, could never, he was blind, could never see. They reckon if he would have heard her drown, he wouldn't have gone blind. He instantly went blind. He couldn't see because he didn't want to see anymore the pain of what he actually saw. Isn't that interesting? To see. So our vision is really important. They say that's where an accident's about to happen or a car accident or something terrible. You put your hand over your children's eyes so they can't actually see it because their hearing will be only a sound. But if they see it, it will be indelibly printed in their brain and it'll be very difficult to get it out of their brain. Only God can help. These are interesting thoughts, aren't they? And so my seeing is very important. Then it goes on in Acts and it says, then my maidservants and my manservants 
What's it actually meaning? It meaning this, I believe in simple paraphrased version, is this. When you see what God's calling you to do, you will serve what He's calling you to do. So when you see it, you can serve it. And so God's raising up a generation who not only are prophetic, but actually know how to serve as well what they see. That's so important. See, we're about to release vision on Easter and Sunday and talk about that. But we're not serving, we're not led by the vision. We are led by the Holy Spirit in the vision. It's so important. So we can see things that the vision may paint a picture, but we've got to be led by the Spirit as we follow what we see. These are very important truths, foundational truths in Christian life. Why are they so important? Because they're things that I have to work through, things that you have to work through to to let go of my own way of thinking and adopt God's way of thinking. They're foundational things that have got to go deep, that God does speak to me, God does want to speak to me, God likes me, God even loves me, and I love God. You know, I've got to come to grips with that, and God made me. God made me, God made you, He made me, and God doesn't make junk. It's easy to sort of say, I'm to this, I'm to that, and I'm to this, and I'm to that. Hang on a minute. Stop dishonoring God and realize God doesn't make junk, He made you. And while we're stuck up with that as a foundational, stuck on that as a foundational negative, then it adjusts our social mentality, and it adjusts our emotional capacity, because we think we're ugly and we think we're stupid, and even the person that made me didn't know what he was doing. Now, God is an ultimate strategist. And it's wonderful when you get those things worked out that God doesn't make junk. It's a principle that I live by. Uh-huh, I live out of that. I can tell you're so excited about that too. No, you live out of that too. You get excited because you, you agree. And so this generation not only needs to be a seeing generation because the old generation could see dreams, the young generation saw visions, so they could serve what God's called them to do. That's so important to to grab hold of. And so in this hour, these are foundational truths that I suppose I want to get hold of. I trust you want to get hold of. And he goes on and says in in John and other parts of Matthew, it says that to outwork this reality, you need to be discipled. You need to be a person who's discipled. You're a disciplined one who can follow the, the, the direction of God that is a faith direction. It's pretty, you know, step out, walk on water. Oh, all of a sudden the boat was good, all of a sudden the water was good, all of a sudden Jesus was cool. Now he's saying, get out of the boat and walk on water. Hang on a minute, those three don't go together, do they? (laughs) But God will cause you to do that and you walk by faith. And when you are discipled, you'll know that there's a confidence. It's like a testimony, isn't it? A testimony essentially means that if God did it once, he can do it again. It's a testimony. It says, in the end times, you'll overcome by the power of your testimony. You're good to know your testimony. Be able to share your testimony is very, very important. And so when you are agreeing with the Word of God as a foundational truth, ask yourself the question, who's discipling you? Who's discipling you? Who's disciplining you? Because... Disciples will make disciples. That's a reproduction process. And so a good question to ask yourself, if Jesus' last request becomes our first priority, we've got to ask ourselves, who is discipling me? Who is training me up? When I was young, uh, I loved my football coach. He'd tell me to do things I didn't want to do in order to become who I wanted to become. I didn't want to run an extra lap. I didn't want to do those things. But he discipled me because he believed in me and could see there was more in me than I was prepared to do myself. Uh-huh. You notice that? I sometimes, if I'm doing weights and stuff, which is probably every morning, uh, uh, 
you lift and how much is a lot, Michael? How much is a lot? 150 kilos? Yeah, you'd be lifting that. Um, you know, when I, I ask the Holy Ghost sometimes, Holy Ghost, how many do you want me to lift? I'm amazed he always wants me to lift more than I want to lift. You know? A good question to ask, isn't it? Let the Holy Ghost train you. But who's discipling you? Who's discipling you as a person? That's where, again, we're moving, again, people wanting more of the things of God, the foundational Bible-based church in this hour, they're wanting revival. But these are all the things that are foundational to revival, to sustain revival. Because I believe we need a revival in this hour that doesn't stop until Jesus returns. Uh-huh. And so these foundations are really important, and you need to focus on your foundations to make sure they're right foundations, they're good foundations, they're solid foundations, and those foundations still serve you. Like God made me, he doesn't make junk, still serves me, still serves me. I realize that God has given me a measure of faith. To, I've never got past my first page. God's given me a measure of faith to be able to walk strong. They're principles that I can actually live by and walk by. My attitude is important. That's a foundational truth. My attitude has to be godly. Why is that? Because I always was taught my attitude leads to my actions, and my actions will bring me into favor with God, and then my, my favor with God will bring me into divine appointments. People go, how come your life's so good sometimes? It's because I'm walking in divine appointments because I've got my attitude right. Attitudes, be attitudes out of Matthew. They're all there. We can actually read those and understand those and do those. Uh-huh. So I can have a biblical approach to life. Then it goes over into Matthew 3, 2. If you want to turn there, we're talking about foundations, just really basic stuff. Sorry if you really are living on the 10th floor, but we're talking about basics today that you can encourage people with. It says in here 3.2, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What a great truth. Repent for the kingdom of heaven. You should, if you got that highlighted there? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What's the word at hand mean? It means it's not far away. It's very close, within your reach. Exactly, Pastor Josh. And so handy, it's handy. <laughs> Even Jane's into dad dokes. I would, well, can you believe that? It's all that driving, convincing. Uh, And so it says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance is a spiritual word that moves the spirit world. Saying I'm going to actually change and I'm not going to do this like that anymore doesn't mean a lot. But when you say the word repent, heaven moves. The Bible says when one person comes and repents, the angels rejoice. And so being a person who can live a life of repentance and say, God, I'm sorry I've been an idiot. I'm going to turn around and turn to your ways and let go of my ways in that approach. Just simple overview. If we don't repent, the word attached to the word repent is regret. So lack of repentance is actually a fullness of regret. So you can get to the age of 50 or whatever it is in your life and realize you're just full of regret, full of it full of it, and not know what to do with it because you didn't need to carry it. You know, the Lord says to me sometimes, we, I, He speaks to me nearly every two years. Now He speaks to me other times, but every two years He asks me this question, do you still want to do what you're doing? And if you're insecure, you'll go, oh God, don't you think I should be doing it? I, I, what, should I be doing something else? Did you want, have I missed something? No, no. You know why God does that to me? He talked to me about this one day. I said, God, why do you keep doing this to me every two years? He said, I want to ask you the question, do you still want to do what I've called you to do because I don't want you to get to the end and regret it all? 
Wow. If I was insecure, I could have jumped ship on the first time he asked me. Because God doesn't want us to live with regret in our hearts. Come on, that's a word for some women here. God does not want you to live with regret in your heart. And repentance is the key that unlocks the door that moves the spirit world. God, I repent of that, my stupidity. And, you know, if you keep going through it, then you need to just keep repenting (laughs) to do that and be able to to break the power of the control or the manipulation of those thoughts, whether they've been the old man still stalking to you or the new person still stalking to you. So I can say, God, I repent of that. I repent. I am sorry for that. I break the power of the hold of that over my life by using spiritual words to be able to reach out forward. And so God says, I've given each one of you a measure of faith to be able to walk like this and talk like this and live like this. How fantastic is God? That unlocks this. He said, repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. What's it mean? The emphasis is not on the sin. The emphasis is on the freedom. The kingdom of God's at hand, guys. You've got to repent quickly. Let go of the heavy stuff and get into the liberty of the freedom of the kingdom of heaven. So the kingdom is wanting to come around our life. One kingdom. One culture. Kingdom culture. Kingdom culture. If we look today and, and, and you know, got a hand, we've got a whiteboard and wrote out all the cultures. I want to do that soon. Wrote out all the cultures. They're in this room. We'd have a lot. And God says there's a lot of cultures, but there's only meant to be one culture. That's the culture of the kingdom. And so his kingdom is wanting to come around our hearts and life. And repentance is the way that unlocks your way and flicks you over into his way. And it's so important to be able to do that anyway. And these are foundations because they are foundations that set the pace for the rest of your life. If you're not a person who understands repentance and has it built in the foundations of your life or forgiveness or whatever it is, then life will go very different to you or for you than God ever intended it. You know what I mean? If you're an unforgiving person, if you're nasty and you get angry and you get frustrated and you get all these things, then usually it's something's not right in the foundations. You haven't learned the value of this. People say, well, I can't forgive. I say, I know you can't forgive because you don't realize, truly realize how much you've been forgiven. When you understand how much you've been forgiven, it's easy to forgive, isn't it? Uh-huh. If you know that the kingdom of God is at hand and you're stuck with this little squeaky, annoying thing, then you need to repent to be able to realize, I'm missing out. I'm missing out on what God has for me. So these things are, are very important. Can I just list some points of foundation today? Frustration. People get frustrated. I say to people sometimes, frustration is because your personal life is bigger than your prayer life. Your per- frustration, when people get frustrated all the time, it's because their personal life is bigger than their prayer life. You'll always find that to be true. I haven't found anybody that's ever argued with me on that. It's always true. God says, I want my house, my people to be a, pow- a place of prayer. Number two is principles. I need to have principles running through my vein that I can use as foundational understandings that, that can free me from this. Remember in Pastor Tim's church, there was a girl that asked me a question. She said, well, when the pressure's on and we're doing everything, it's so hard and we've got to feed people and help people. And this person come with a personal problem, we've got to do this and we've got to roll it all out. We've got to start on Sunday and go all around again. She said, I'm working seven days a week, you know, and stuff. And I said, well, look, the foundational principle is this. God will never give you more than you can handle. You may have taken on more than he wants you to handle, but God will never give you more than you could handle. 
Why is that? Because you're hard-pressed on every side but never crushed. So stop whinging about being crushed when you're just hard-pressed. You know? And so that can create a stress in our life. But stress is always manageable if it has a time frame. If you don't have a time frame for stress, it will kill you. So if you can say, look, I can put up with this for a month. I've only got to do this for a month, study, work hard for a month. At the end of that month, I'm going to be free of this. Then you can handle it usually. So these are principles that I build my life on that are foundational. I don't need to keep digging up the foundations to see they're there. I need to celebrate they're working. You with me? But if we haven't taken time, say it again, if we haven't taken time out doing a foundational course or focusing on what are our foundations and what's important, then we'll really struggle. And in a 10-story building, when the storm comes, what's going to happen? The shade cloth's going to pull out and the posts are going to whip everywhere, stuff like this. Relationships are really important. Isolation is a killer. Isolation will cause you to have a, a spirit that's waiting for you there, an independent spirit. Once you have an isolation in your thing, an independent spirit's waiting to get hold of you straight away. So don't isolate yourself. It's a killer if you do it for too long. People say, well, they never rang me up. I always say a phone rings two ways. Then someone say, a phone rings two ways. Phone rings two ways, you know? It's very important. So my emotional health is important. Why is my emotional health important in my relationships? Because it's attached to my expectations. My expectations have to be realistic. Uh-huh. I have to be realistic and my emotional health is really important when it comes to that. That's where sometimes people say, oh, look, you know, the pastor's this, the pastor's that, or my leader's this. He preaches for too long. He preaches too short. He's not evangelistic. He's not teaching enough. There's no vision. There's no, uh, it's too much vision. He's too friendly. He's not friendly enough. There's no, it, it's because people's emotional health is not right, and so therefore they have wrong expectations of people and kill people. Then they go, that pastor was no good. Let's get another one. They get another one and kill him. Why is that? It's because the emotional health of the church, the people collectively, is not right. And it can be put right. And if we did a little test, we'd find out where our emotional health is up to. We're going to do one with our leaders soon. So I've got to have my foundation right because I could resort to, you know, uh, in this uh, lady was teaching us the other day. She said one of the biggest challenges with pastors and leaders all over the world now um, is under pressure and under stress in high-profile positions of leadership or high-profile positions of CEOs or CFOs or people in these high-profile are starting to self-medicate. They're wanting to stay in the road, but what they're doing is they're self-medicating. And so they're using TV or they're using pornography or they're using alcohol or they're using drugs or they're using other forms to self-medicate. Why? To kill the pain. And they don't address the pain, they actually self-medicate with that. And so this lady runs a resort to help people get free of these issues. Of, and she said the hardest one to get people free of is alcohol. It's the hardest, by far. She said heroin's easy, all those are easy, but alcohol's the hardest because it's so socially acceptable and it happens at a cellular level. She's got, your, got people now who don't want people to know, but they're turning up to work drunk, they're drinking in their bedrooms, they're doing all of this sort of stuff to manage their pain. They're self-medicating. And she's got a resort that she takes people away. It's $10,000 a week to go to it, to get help and support, to get people through these challenges in life. And so these are foundational, foundational. Do I want to be a person? Stuart, do you want to be a person who learns 
that your friend is pain. I don't want to be. I want to be a whole person. I've got one life to live that's not, <laughs> I'm on the back end of it now. And I sure don't want to make pain my friend. I don't want to live with pain. And I'm not going to self-medicate. I think if I was a pastor and self-medicated with alcohol, I'd be one of the biggest drunks in town. But I've had boundaries around my life that I don't go there. Boundaries around my life that I don't go there. Because I'm not going to use that as an excuse. I'm going to deal with my pain. You you see what I'm saying? If you're self-medicated, it's easy to find something that will help you. With, with, your, with your pain. And I believe there's people here today that are hearing what I'm saying and you self-medicate. I'm not talking about drinking, I'm talking about self-medicating. Trying to block out your pain rather than dealing with your life and dealing with the pain and, and working it through. And God loves to help you with that because he wants to be part of the solution. And sometimes being part of the solution is giving yourself permission for God to make you well. Thanks, Julie. You know, it's giving yourself permission for God to make you well. God, I'm a long way from that right now, but I want you to make me well. I want you to make me whole. I want my emotional health to be good. I want my spiritual health to be good. I want my thinking to be right. I want my expectations of people. One of the biggest things can ruin relationships is mixed expectations. Just mixed expectations. Oh, I thought you did. I thought you were like that. I thought you were so, whoa, where's that coming from? Why are you so angry and why are you like that as a person? And so there's some of the things we need to look at. That's why as pastors, as I said, our success is not based upon how hard we work. It's based upon really how well I work. Because my role as pastors, it's not to be admired because we worked hard. As pastors, we're here to be admired because we love people. That's a good expectation. That's a healthy expectation to have. And to realize that your pastor, this isn't about me today, I'm just using me as a good example instead of using you, um, is a person too. They don't have superpowers. We had a lady come to our one of our camps as pastor's camp and she'd sort of got in as a bit of a newbie and she got into the camp and she was at the pastor's camp and she was just a, a real new person who thought the pastor was a some sort of person that should be worshipped. <laughs> and uh, one day I was setting up the pulpit for the camp and... Uh, I had to make the announcement. I said, uh, Pastor, Pastor David, it's a bit late. I'm sorry. Um, I don't know where he is, actually. Do you know where Pastor David is? And someone said, he's in the bathroom. He's like, oh, sorry, he's in the bathroom. He'll be here in a minute. And this lady was in shock for the next day and a half at the camp that the pastor actually went to the toilet. She was in shock. She couldn't get over it. It was her biggest revelation for the thing. You know, and wrong expectations eventually that would come to hurt her and hurt him perhaps in that sort of way so it's very important to be emotionally healthy all around so in our marriages in our personal life we can actually be that sort of people in our workplaces we can be that sort of people well father we thank you today that 
We wanted to bring something back from conference because it's easy to go away and bring nothing home. But oh Lord, I thank you that you've done a good work in us when we're away and we want to bring some of it back to a people who I believe are hungry and ready for more. And Lord, one of those things is probably over this time is checking our foundations that when the, when the winds come and things like that, good, good winds come, stormy winds come, but we, we're the people who know how to dig in, not run away. We're the people who know how to dig in and stand and walk and talk and have an atmosphere of faith around our life to inspire others. Help us, we pray, Father, be born again to see the kingdom of God and to see it come in and around our lives. Let it be stirring for us heart for the nations people matter to God people matter to us there's never too many people oh God there's never too many to love and care for because we're not loving with our love we're loving with your love flow through us God let's get right foundations many have them in this place Many may be challenged today. Help us, we pray, Father. The title of this message today was help. Maybe you need to ask God just for a moment. Say, God, help me in this area. Help me in this area. Help me in that area. today if you're here and you've never known what it is to be born again Jesus said you must be born again to be able to have a new start doesn't matter which side of the tracks you're born on it's a matter of whether you're born again friend today you're born again if someone was to ask you you're one of those born again Christians what would you say oh yeah, yeah I'm not sure when you can be sure I'd love to be sure is that you here, sir, madam, today? Maybe you've come with a friend or a neighbor and if someone was to ask you, are you born again? What would you say? Maybe you're a teenager, a, a young person here and you'd say, oh, I wouldn't know if I'm born again or not, when you can be. And Jesus' words were, you must be born again. I know you've been born once, otherwise you wouldn't be hearing what I'm saying. But Jesus said, that's not enough, you need to be born again. If you're here today and you've not been born again, you'd like that prayer. We pray a prayer with you. That you just quickly raise your hand. We'll pray for you. I believe with you. If you brought a friend along today, I trust you brought from friends. That's you today. Friends are fairly important. Inviting someone to church. Father, we thank you this morning that people can be born again in this church, filled with the Holy Spirit. If you want to get filled with the Holy Spirit, today's a good day to get filled. If you want to get water baptized, good day to put your name down and think about water baptism. But Father, we're going to go out and have good friendship now and catch up with each other and talk about the week. Get our foundations right. Amen. So if that's you today and 
you'd love to catch up in the cafe. Let's have some lunch together and hang out. That's a good thing. If you're one of those people who just zip off, maybe today you could stay, have lunch. And tonight I want to share something that will help people who are from different nationalities. If, you've, if you're from different countries and different nationalities, I really trust you could step out tonight and come. If you're passionate about other people from other countries, tonight will help you minister to them. Like it really, very powerfully will help you minister to them. It's one of the great keys that I believe God's shown me. It'll help you understand. If you need a healing because of where you've come from, tonight's your night too. Many people come from war-torn nations where there's been strife and war and all that sort of stuff. And tonight's a great healing night for you. And I want to share something that really is quite precious to me. And it will be something, a message that will be echoed in this church for a long, long while, I, I believe. So be the first one to hear it. I'll be the second. Hey, God bless the food to our bodies. Stay for lunch. If you need prayer for any reason, we've got some prayer folk over here that love to pray with you and pray for you. If you're a guest today, welcome. Been looking for a church home. Trust you've found it. Other than that, uh, working bee next Saturday. It's going to be good. Drop in, drop in for an hour. Drop in for that. I'm believing for at least a hundred people to our prayer meeting, the most important meeting in our church. God bless you. We're going to sing a song.